Please go ahead and open your Bibles to Jeremiah 25. So my name is Obi. I'm the young adults pastor here. Um, Hope you don't mind me preaching in a t-shirt. We asked them to wear it, so I thought I should wear it as well. This is our young adults ministry, so uh, it is a joy to be the young adults pastor here. Um, we just have a group that is on fire for Christ and uh, wanting to change the world, so it's my pleasure and honor to be able to uh, be the pastor to them. I'm also the pastor to men, um, and I am preaching today for Pastor Doug, and so uh, he is on vacation, and I just wanted to say a quick word about your pastor. Now, he wouldn't want me to do this, but it's too late. He already gave me a microphone, so it's too, too bad. We have a good pastor, right? I just want to acknowledge that for a second. So... Pastor Doug, I came here as a young airman, and oh, probably all the way back in 2005, 6, 7, something like that, he started investing in me, and uh, he even made me his intern, and you all may not know this, but I did research for his sermons. Now, uh, me, a, a lower 20s, doing research for a PhD guy's sermons, I'm, I'm sure I was super helpful to him. Uh, it wasn't about that, he was, he was just investing in me, and so just appreciate him, and he preached every Sunday last, last year uh, during COVID, just kind of a man the ship type thing, and so it's great that he's able to take a week off, so pray for him as he travels. So we are in Jeremiah chapter 25, if you'll please turn there if you haven't already. Um, so we're talking about plans, and I just want to think for a second about how planning is going in your life right now, right? It's a really easy time period in life to, to plan for things, right? No, it's not. Um, I want to think for a second what it would take to make the rest of this year just really great for you. Like a year and a half, yeah, it's, been, it's been a tough year and a half, right? We've had um, canceled ball games, band, um, college classes, school, um, jobs, like a, a whole lot of difficulties, activities, like even going to something like the movies. We had a group go to the movies the other night. I didn't even know you could do that yet, uh, but that kind of thing. We have all sorts of things canceled, right? What about if the next six months, you can just think of like one to five things, just right now, like, okay, finally, this is what is supposed to make my year work out, right? This, if I had these different things, three to five things, if I had these work out, then, then the rest of this year would be pretty good. It, it'd, be, it'd be a really good year. This is how years are supposed to be. So I wonder, I'm going to have a, a passage up on the screen. It's Jeremiah 29, 11. I wonder how you would like this message to be said to you. This is a famous verse. It says, For I know the plans I have for you. This is the Lord's declaration. Plans for your well-being, not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. That'd be pretty nice to hear, wouldn't it? Like, hey, God, this last year and a half has been a pretty difficult one. What if we could get this message, I know the plans I have for you. This is the Lord's declaration. Plans for your well-being, not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. That sounds great. Right? I, I think of your five things, three to five things that if I just had this, if I had these things, then all of a sudden my, my year would be pretty good and it'd be the year I was looking for, the year I thought I was going to get a year and a half ago. That'd be good. And, and I'd like, especially God, would you give me this message? You know the plans. It's good plans. It's not bad, bad plans. It's, it's to give me a future and a hope. You give me those plans, God. That's what I want in my life. But I wonder if we know the context of this verse and I wonder if we know why the God of all creation, would even need to say this type of thing to the Israelites. So we're going to pick it up in Jeremiah 25, verse 1, and we're going to start just from the context, start to see why he would need to say it. So Jeremiah 25, look at verse 1 with me if you would. It says, This is the word that came to Jeremiah concerning all the people of Judah. In the fourth year of Jehoiakim, son of Josiah, king of Judah, 
which was the first year of King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon. Now, if you just hear some of those names, maybe you're picking up on some context, right? The most famous of those names, King Nebuchadnezzar. That's the same King Nebuchadnezzar of Daniel. And if you know that, notice this, it says it's in his first year, right? So around the same time of the book of Daniel, remember the Daniel who is in the lion's den, that guy? That's actually 70 years later. We're going to get to that in a bit. But that same guy. But that's not the only name here. If you knew Nebuchadnezzar alone, you'd say, oh, this actually isn't a good time for the Israelites. So when you say, you know the plans you have for me, plans to give me a future and a hope, okay, God, how quick are we going to get to this because we're besieged by Nebuchadnezzar, right? That's the first thing you might think. But that's not it here. In the fourth year, it says, look at verse 1 again in the middle of it, it says, in the fourth year of Jehoiakim, son of Josiah. Now, I wonder if there's any Bible history type people here who recognize those names. So Jehoiakim came to power not because it was just his time, but because his father there, Josiah, who was a king, he was a good king. If you know Israel, kind of the history of the Old Testament, you'd have some good kings and Israel would prosper. Then you'd have some bad kings and it'd go really bad. And so Josiah is a good king. Well, he rode out in battle. He was going to go fight a pharaoh from Egypt named Necho, and he was killed. And so then this pharaoh Necho in Egypt take basically control over Israel, the, the lower part called Judah, and specifically Jerusalem. And so they place, actually not Jehoiakim, in power. They place his brother, Jehoiahaz, in power. But then Pharaoh Necho's like, oh, I don't like how that guy's doing it, so he puts him in prison. So then he's going to put Jehoiakim in power. So, okay, here, now you have this guy, this king, Jehoiakim, in power. How much power does he have if another king can put him in power? And that's not it. His name's actually not Jehoiakim, it's Eliakim. But Pharaoh Necho changed his name. So how powerful is your king if another king can come in, he kills your one king, imprisons the next one, and then places one in and changes his name? That's the situation when we just see these names, Jehoiakim, that's how he came to power. So when you just read his name, that, oh, it's in the fourth year of Jehoiakim, son of Josiah, king of Judah, oh, that sounds great, but realize why he's there, he's just a puppet king. In fact, I'm going to read Daniel. I didn't have them put this on the screen, so just listen to it, if you will. It says, in Daniel chapter 1, so this is the start of the book of Daniel. In the third year of the reign of King Jehoiakim, there's, there's the king of Judah, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came to Jerusalem and laid siege to it. The Lord handed King Jehoiakim of Judah over to him, along with some of the vessels from the house of God. Nebuchadnezzar carried them to the land of Babylon, to the house of his God, and put the vessels in the treasury of his God. So hear that. King Nebuchadnezzar comes, he's, he besieges Jerusalem, and they take all their treasures out and takes it back to Babylon. But that's not where he stopped. Verse 3, the, the king ordered Ashpenaz, his chief eunuch, to bring some of the Israelites from the royal family and from the nobility. Young men without any physical defect, good-looking, suitable for instruction, and all wisdom, knowledgeable, perceptive, and capable of serving in the king's palace. He was to teach them the, the Chaldean language and literature. So, so hear this. That makes it sound nice because it's like, oh, these are the good-looking smart ones, right? We're going we're gonna to bring those, and what, are, what is he doing? Is he going to have a dinner party with them or something? That's not what he's doing. He's abducting these young adults, these teenagers. He's abducting them, bringing them, and now he's going to make them serve as king's servants. He's going to maybe raise them up as, as under leaders, but they're going to be there as captives. This is in the same year as Jer Jeremiah 25. It's all around 605 B.C., so you hear that? I read you Jeremiah 29, 11. I'm going to read it again. It says, For I know the plans I have for you. This is the Lord's declaration. Plans for your well-being, not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. Just hear the context. 
The context of this passage is that we've got a king who is in place because his brother was in prison who was before him and his dad was killed by a different, a different country. And now we've got Babylon here, the same Babylon that's going to put Daniel on the line. Or no, actually, that's uh, Medo-Persian. They're going to put Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the, the fiery furnace, the same one. And then that's not going to be it. Next is going to be the Medo-Persians. Then it's going to be Greece. Then it's going to be Rome. They're going to have centuries of being conquered by other people. So when we hear Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, this is the Lord's declaration, plans for your well-being, not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. When we just hear that, and that's, a, that's like a good verse to put on your wall at home, isn't it? I mean, that's one, hey, that sounds good. I want God to say that to me. Just realize why he says it. So when we're in the midst of a time where there's a pandemic, it's been rough for people who are in school activities, been rough for people who are vulnerable, it's been rough for businesses, like it's been a difficult time. We would love God to give us this type of message, just realize the type of context that it took to have this kind of message. But I stop there. Look at verse 2 with me. Jeremiah 25 and verse 2. I'm going to read 2 through 4. It says, The prophet Jeremiah spoke concerning all the people of Judah, and all the residents of Jerusalem as follows. From the thirteenth year of Josiah, son of Ammon, king of Judah, until this very day, twenty-three years, the word of the Lord has come to me, and I have spoken to you time and time again, but you have not obeyed. Look at verse 4. The Lord sent all his servants, the prophets, to you time and time again, but you have not obeyed or even paid attention. Now, I wonder if you ever had a, a friend or someone that you're trying to give them some really good advice. You're trying, hey, I've got some good advice. You've got some bad stuff in your life. I'm trying to give you some good advice and, and help you out. And they just refuse to listen. That's what the prophet Jeremiah has to be like. Uh, my young adults here know that I often use my kids as examples. And uh, my kids don't mind it, I don't think. I do try, I, I've told you all this story. I accidentally slipped up and said which kid it was. I'm going to do my best not to do that so we don't single them out. But it was, it was a couple weeks ago. And uh, getting ready to go outside with my kids, and we're going to play in the backyard. And I said to one of them, I said, hey, go upstairs, and um, you're in your PJs. You need to go get some shorts on and a T-shirt on. And so he went up. I said he. So <laughs> we're down to two, two boys. I want to see if I can get through this. All right. So he went upstairs, one of the two, not telling you which. He went upstairs, and uh, so he's up there for a while. And then he comes back downstairs. I think I called for him, and he comes back downstairs, and uh, he's still in his PJs. I'm like, what were you doing up there? Like, I sent you upstairs. We're going outside. What were you doing up there? He's like, oh. And he's like, I forgot. So he runs back upstairs, and then, you know, it's a couple minutes later. I'm like, okay, is he coming? Hey, you coming down? I almost said his name there. I'm not kidding. Uh, so he went downstairs, came back downstairs, and he does have basketball shorts and a T-shirt on. I was like, yes. And I look at his feet, no socks. What are we going to do? Like, we're going to go outside and play some basketball or something. You're going to go do that barefoot? I, I don't. Back upstairs, and he gone for a while, comes back down with socks. So three times to go get some socks and some shirt and, and some uh, shorts on. Three times. Sometimes we're pretty stubborn people, aren't we? Sometimes we don't like to listen. I wonder if you have that friend that you have difficulty giving them some good advice, or I wonder if sometimes you are that friend that has difficulty receiving good advice. So when we think of this, look at verse 4 again, Jeremiah 25, verse 4. 
says, The Lord sent all his servants, the prophets, to you time and time again, but you have not obeyed or even paid attention. Hear that. You, he sent all sorts of people to you, but you haven't obeyed or, or paid attention. We know some of the people that he sends, right? We know Jeremiah. I'm going to preach next week on Ezekiel. So same time period. Uh, the book of Daniel, same time period. These are some godly, amazing men, but it happened because they're being so sinful that God sends a, a, another army to conquer his people. Right? Hear that. They're having so much difficulty listening. In fact, if you're going to read the whole book of Jeremiah, you know, in chapter 32, and then in chapter 37, and then chapter 38, his people are actually going to imprison him for preaching the word. His people. Now, one of them, I think if we were reading, if you go read chapter 38, maybe go read that later today, and you can see the story. At the beginning of the chapter, uh, they're besieged. And so Jeremiah is actually the word that the Lord gives him. I I wouldn't want to be Jeremiah. I'm just saying sometimes there's some time periods where it'd be difficult to be a preacher. The word of the Lord comes to you, and I'd be like, you want me to say what to the people? Like, okay, so they're out there, they're besieged, and, and Babylon is at the walls, and his message is this. It's not hey, send some people over there, or build this wall up there, or, or hey, you need some more defenses in this. That's not what it is. He says, lay down your weapons. God's already given us over to them. Imagine being that preacher. Imagine that preacher that has to do this. So then they actually say, this man should die because he's killing morale, right? That, that's what his people, the Israelite people. And so we kind of feel like we get that, right? Like, imagine, imagine America is... is Uh, surrounded by an enemy, and we're sitting here fighting as hard as we can. We're losing people, and you've got a preacher. Some preacher has the audacity to come up and says, hey, I've received a word from the Lord, and he says, put down your weapons. Lay him down. He's already given us over to them. Lay him down. You'd be like, put that guy in jail or get him out of our sight. Like, he's against us. So we kind of get that, and that's the point, isn't it, right? Because we see often through worldly lens. Jeremiah is preaching the word of the Lord, and it was a crazy, a seemingly crazy word of the Lord. Like, no, this is our home. We need to defend it. No, the word of the Lord said that you need to lay down your weapons. We need to surrender. That's what the word of the Lord said. So he sent prophets. He sent guys like Jeremiah and Ezekiel to come and tell you the word of the Lord. But you hadn't obeyed. And you're not listening. You're not hearing the word of the Lord. And I just have to ask Christians, sometimes are we not hearing the word of the Lord? Like, I asked you to think of your, your list, like your three to five things, right? What would make this year an amazing year? If, if I could just say the next six months are going to go, finally something just goes according to plan. Finally I get something that it just goes my way. And we could think of three to five things. I just want to ask you this. How many of them have anything to do with God? How many of them have anything to do with God and His purposes? And I'm not trying to, like, make you feel guilty there. I'm saying me too, right? If I think of what would make... The next six months go well. I'm telling you, I have a list too. And how many of them have anything to do with God and his purposes and plans? Notice what this says. It does not say the word of the Lord came to me and he told me exactly how we need to defend the city. We, know, we need to know exactly how to beat COVID or we need to know exactly how to, to operate in this society. The word of the Lord comes to him and it says the Lord sent all his servants to prophesy you time and time again, but you haven't obeyed or even paid attention. God's saying, I'm waking for, waiting for you people to wake up. He's saying, I'm waiting for you to come serve me. God didn't want to just defeat an enemy. He wanted his people to follow him. When we start to think about all the things that would make this year better, how many of them have to do with the mission of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the glory of the God our King? How often is that our focus. Hear what God wants. 
in the midst, let me tell you, they have some difficulties. We've had a difficult year. They're going to have a longer period than us, I hope. They've had a difficult time. If, they, if I were to say, give, give me your list of five, the Israelites, the people of Judah, the people in the city of Jerusalem, let me tell you, they have a list. they got a list a mile long. They know exactly what they want, and yet the God of heaven is saying, here's what I want. I want you to listen to me and obey me. So if you're a note taker, that's the first one is God calls Christians to obey him. So maybe that's you now and you're thinking about your list, right? Um, you're thinking about the several things that would make your life better. And maybe uh, you're like me and if you wrote a list that maybe it wouldn't be very, very God-centered. And you're thinking maybe that still small voice in my heart is saying maybe I'm not as God-centered as I need to be. Maybe there's all these other things that I think would bring me satisfaction, and, and I'm not focusing on God and His purposes. Let me tell you, there is no circumstance where obedience to God does not work. This man who's writing these words is about to be obedient to God from a jail cell while, while his country is being crushed by an enemy force. And obedience works there. In fact, we're reading this thousands of years later. Right? Think about the testimony in a difficult situation, what that could do and how God could use that. There is no situation or circumstance where obedience to God does not work. But he doesn't stop there. Look at verse 5. I'm going to read verse 4 again because I like it. The Lord sent all his servants, the prophets, to you time and time again, but you have not obeyed or even paid attention. He announced, turn, each of you, from your evil way of life and from your evil deeds, Live in the land the Lord gave to you and your ancestors long ago and forever. I'm going to focus in on that word turn. I'm going to talk about repentance for a second. So Pastor Doug covered it uh, last week. He talked about repentance, how it's really an about face. It's uh, you're going one direction, turn around, go the other way. So that, that assumes or presupposes that we're going the wrong direction. Right? That, we're going to find out in a second that um, the Israelites, the Jewish people, that their problem was idolatry, that they'd given themselves over to other gods. So if we start to think of, I'm going to just read Jeremiah 29, 11 again. For I know the plans I have for you. This is the Lord's declaration. Plans for your well-being, not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. If we think of those plans, and I want, if I want God to say that to me, you want God to say that to you, and I've got all these different plans, and I've got my list of three to five things that would make the, the year just work out, just wonderfully. And I have this list, God, and you say, you know the plans you have for me, plans to give me a future and a hope. It's going to be good stuff. It's not going to be bad stuff. It's, it's good. So so must mean my list is okay. And if I find that there's nothing on there about God, maybe, just maybe, my heart's not centered on the right things. If in the last year and a half, we have, we've just found it impossible to be obedient to God, to find any joy, any happiness, any purpose, because what was missing? Some of the structure, some school activities, restaurants, I like restaurants, entertainment, like all these things are missing so I can't have joy and purpose. I'm telling you, in a, in a world where, where there were no restaurants or, or Maybe it's your job, and, and I'm, not trying to, I'm not trying to say your, your problems aren't significant. Man, they are. I'm saying as significant as our problems are, God's purposes are greater still. 
So if I have five things or maybe I have an infinite list of things that, that I'd just like to see or, or it, the world went on without, without school, without um, job, without restaurant, without entertainment, without activities, and this is my list. If I can't find purpose in a, God, in, in a world where none of those exist but God still does, something is wrong with my heart. I'm telling you in every circumstance, in every situation, where God still exists, that is enough. The God who right now is sustaining our life breath and allowing our heart to beat, that God asks us to serve him. That God asks us to turn away from the different idols in our life. And let me tell you, a lot of times when we make a list of five, a lot of times, if we're honest, we put those things before God in our heart. And if something is before God in my heart, then it is an idol. And so if I'm guilty of idolatry, then this verse right here, verse 5, he announced to them, turn each of you from your evil ways. And we may not feel like it's that bad. We may feel like it's a good thing. I'm telling you, some good things can become bad things because we put them before God. And so if I've found that my list of five, these are the things that I need just to make the next six months just great for me, for my family, it finally work out. Don't you understand? I need all these things. I'm telling you, the Israelites right now are surrounded by an enemy. Their, their very existence is up for grabs. And it's not going away anytime soon. This is Babylon, then the Medo-Persians, then the Greeks, then the Romans. It's not going away. And it's the same God that says, I know the plans I have for you. This is the Lord's declaration. Plans for your well-being, not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. And I say, where is it, God? Is it possible that God is more focused on the spiritual things? Because, let's say, you have a great six months. Okay, that. That's temporary. What if you have a great next 20 years? Great. I hope you do. Still temporary. What if you have a great, what if you live older than the oldest man in the Bible? What if you live that long? 969 years, right? Okay. It's still temporary. We are not meant to call this place our home. And if you're looking for satisfaction and joy and fulfillment here, you are always going to be unsatisfied. There is always going to be another problem. But I'm telling you this, if the Lord is your guide and your purpose and your hope and your future, if, if he is the one that your life is centered upon, then it doesn't matter if you're in the middle of a war zone in a prison cell, you still have purpose. And you can still have joy. He tells them to turn. They're doing something that we would do. We'd defend our country and enemies outside. I get it. But what God is wanting is our heart. What he is wanting today is your heart. He said so far that he wants obedience, and now he says he calls Christians to repentance. He calls all people to repentance, but it's not just Christians who need to repent. If you are here today and you don't know Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, then I suspect the last year has been very difficult on you. How could it not be? If your entire hope is stored up in this world, how could this last year and a half not be difficult on you because you don't have the greatest foundation that could ever be laid, which is Jesus Christ. So here's what I want from you today. I want you to not leave this place without coming to know Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior. The Bible is very clear about how we become Christians. First, we admit that we're a sinner, that we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And then we understand that the wages of sin is death, that because I am a sinner, I have earned death. That is physical death, but then also separation for all eternity in a real place called hell because of my sin. But Jesus Christ died in my place. And so if I place my faith in him and call him Lord of my life, I can be saved. I invite you today to not leave here without having done that. So he calls them to obey. 
He says, the Lord sent all his servants, look at verse 4 with me, the Lord sent all his servants, the prophets, to you time and time again, but you have not obeyed or even paid attention. Look at verse 5. He announced, turn each of you from your evil way of life and from your evil deeds. Live in the land the Lord gave to you and your ancestors long ago and forever. Now verse 6. Do not follow other gods to serve them. There's the idolatry. And to bow and worship to them, and do not anger me by the works of your hands, then I will do you no harm. In the midst of an exile, I'll say this, in the midst of a pandemic, do you hear what the Lord wants? Do you hear it here? You've got obedience in verse 4. You've got repentance in verse 5. And here in verse 6, he is calling for faithfulness. God is calling all Christians to faithfulness. It is a difficult time. It is a turbulent time. Interesting fact about this message. I, Pastor Doug had actually, actually asked me to preach on January 3rd, 2021. And so I was all prepped and ready. And then January 2nd, 2021, I got COVID. So in a message about plans and how plans are canceled, I was planning to preach and then that plan got canceled. Like, this is a crazy time. You can't plan for anything except to follow God. As crazy as this time is, God raised up people like Jeremiah and Ezekiel and Daniel to be faithful to him when their entire country was going the other way. The entire country. Their own people that he's saying, repent and turn to God, are going to lock him up. As bad as, and I'm not diminishing your difficulties, as bad as they are, they're all temporary. Even this is temporary. So look at verse 7. Verse 7 says this, but you. Well, that's a bad start to it, isn't it? Like God had done all these things. I called you to obedience and repentance. I called you to faithfulness. And he starts off, but you. That means we messed up. But you have not obeyed me. This is the Lord's declaration. With the result that you have angered me by the work of your hands and brought disaster on yourselves. Verse 8, therefore, uh oh, that's the punishment coming. This is what the Lord of armies says. Because you have not obeyed my words, I am going to send for all the families of the north. This is the Lord's declaration. And send for my servant, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. Now, just a quick note on that. When he calls him a servant, he's not saying Nebuchadnezzar's faithful, he's saying he's going to use him. And I will bring them against this land, against its residents, and against all these surrounding nations, and I will completely destroy them and make them an example of horror and scorn and ruins forever. I will eliminate the sound of joy and gladness from them. That sounds bad. The voice of the groom and the bride, the sound of the millstones, and the light of the lamp. Now listen to verse 11. This whole land will become a desolate ruin, and these nations will serve the king of Babylon for 70 years. I emphasize that 70 years. When I hear Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11, for I know the plans I have for you, this is the Lord's declaration, plans for your well-being, not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope, I'm saying, okay, God, I want immediate relief. Right? I, let's end this thing quick. The enemy's right there. Go get them. We're your people. Go get them. But God, when he sent to his preacher, let me tell you, as a preacher, I would love for God to just give me all sorts of things to say that, like, make people happy and and like make you make you scream for joy and stuff like this this poor guy jeremiah had to say this to people that not only 
Not only am I not telling you where to put your defenses and build walls and, and uh, mount a, a counterattack, not only am I not doing that, I'm saying what God actually wants has nothing to do with military. He wants you to obey, he wants you to repent, and he wants you to be faithful. But since you didn't do that, there are going to be 70 years of captivity. In fact, I mentioned Daniel in the lion's den, right? That's about 66, 67 years after this. So Daniel was one of the young boys abducted. And then in 66, 67 years, when the Medo-Persians come in, Daniel's still there, still being faithful to God, but thrown into a lion's den for it. That's the same context. When I hear, I know the plans I have for you, plans for good, not for bad stuff, God, okay, what is it? What are you going to do? Like, like, make my problems go away, God. And God say, no, I want your obedience, I want your repentance, I want your faithfulness. I want you to turn to me. I want you to live for me. Let me tell you, there are all sorts of circumstances. There's always going to be difficult things because we are mortal. We live in a sinful and broken world. There are always going to be difficult things. There are always going to be hard times. Maybe not this hard. Maybe not as hard as the last year and a half. But if you haven't had something hard in your life, just wait. You will. There are difficulties always. The question is, do we live for God despite those? Do I follow God despite my circumstances? If you say, you just don't understand how hard this year is for me. That's right. I don't know what you've gone through. Just like you don't know what I've gone through. We don't know those, but I can know this. I could be a man in a prison cell for preaching to my own people to repent because God has sent me a word and he wants your obedience. And they say, I don't want to hear it. Lock this man up. Actually, I want to kill him because he's preaching a word from the Lord. I could be that and still be expected to be faithful. I could be that and still expect to be obedient. God could give you something that is entirely unpopular that no one wants to hear, and he says to you, go and say it anyway. And you say, well, what's the point? They're not listening. Okay, they weren't now, and yet thousands of years later, you are hearing it. What a testimony for a man who would say, whatever God is going to have me do, even if my own people say, I don't care, lock him up. He's going to say, I'm going to do it. And then thousands of years later, Thousands of miles away, there are people listening to this testimony of a man who's going to do it anyway. What could God use with your testimony? Now, Jeremiah 29, 11, because it is such a famous verse, I want you to see the full context. So we're going to have it up on the board. So I'm going to read verse 1, and then I'm going to read verses 10 and on. Jeremiah 29, verse 1. This is the text of the letter that the prophet Jeremiah sent from Jerusalem to the remaining exiled elders the priests, the prophets, and all the people Nebuchadnezzar had deported from Jerusalem to Babylon. Now this is, Jeremiah 29, 11 is a nice memory verse, right? It's like the type you put in your kitchen wall. I mean, it's a good one. You hear how it started? This is a letter from Jeremiah from Jerusalem to the exiled people who had been deported. To all the people in captivity. When he says, I know the plans I have for you, it's not like a, oh, that's nice. I was sitting here in my comfy chair and and all happy and well-fed, and uh, I'm my own master, and I don't have to do anything. No, this is to people who have been deported by an enemy king and who aren't coming home necessarily anytime soon. They'll have periods of time where, where uh, remnants are sent back, but it's going to be conquering king after conquering king after conquering king. But the good news is they serve the true king. So it says, verse 10, look at it with me. For this is what the Lord says, when 70 years for Babylon are complete... I will attend to you 
and will confirm my promise concerning you to restore you to this place, for I know the plans I have for you. This is the Lord's declaration. Plans for your well-being, not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. Now, verse 12 is the key. This is how the plan is going to happen. This is how it's going to be, uh, restoration is going to be found. You will call to me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. May have been a real difficult last year and a half for you. May not. Some of you may have not had all the introverts are like, I actually kind of like the social distancing thing. But it may have been a really difficult year. May have lost someone who was vulnerable. May have just been isolated and hate that. Um, We know that things like depression and suicide are on the rise. And I asked you, I asked you at the very beginning to think of three to five things that, like, if these go right, the year will be good. I don't know, maybe you didn't do it, but, but if you thought of a few, I want you to hear this, that if you're not following God, none of it's good. And if I'm following God, I'm just going to be real, it doesn't matter how bad it gets, it's still good. And we serve a God who is in control of all things, who could end this, uh, he's setting a 70-year plan to end the captivity. God knew COVID was coming. He knew you weren't going to be able to go to school like normal. He knew your business was going to be in trouble. He knew, he knew all those things. And some people might say, but, but then shouldn't he care about me? He does care about you. He just knows what's important. And I'm not saying those aren't important. I'm saying God's things are infinitely more important. That the God of the universe wants to know you. And he wants, once you know him, he wants to use you to help other people come to know him. There is no mission, there is no purpose, there is no hope greater than the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that is what we are given today. And that works if the next year and a half, the next 50 years are years of prosperity and health. That works if tomorrow is my last day. The gospel of Jesus Christ and obedience to it, faithfulness to the message, faithfulness in proclaiming the message, always works. There is no circumstance where obedience to God doesn't work. Now, in a minute, we're going to have a, a time of prayer and a time of uh, worship. We're going to have the band come up, and, um, and then afterward, there will be a deacon up here if you would like to, to pray with someone. I'll also be out there in the atrium if you need to talk about salvation or anything. But here is my hope. I hope that God, through his word, has convicted each of us. I pray that as we think through our list of things, and a list of things is fine. Uh, Philippians 4 tells us, uh, be anxious for nothing, but with all things, through prayer and supplication, let your request be made known to God. Man, bring your request to God. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying, make God your center. Make him the center of all things. Make him the anchor that no matter what else goes on, you're good because you have God. Let's pray. Father God, I just thank you for your word. And I know it's challenging to me, and I pray it's challenging for others here. I pray, first of all, for anyone who doesn't know you, and maybe they've just been ransacked by this last year. And because they don't know you, they haven't had a foundation like Jesus Christ to rest on. And so, God, I pray today that you're speaking to someone's heart right now and that they wouldn't leave without asking how to come to know you. And then, God, I pray for my brothers and sisters in Christ. God, we get distracted very easy. Even as we profess faith in you, we make the daily activities, the, the activities of our family, we even make jobs, things that are important, we make them somehow more important than you, and they're not. 
God, I pray that you call us all to repentance. And I pray we not be like the Israelites who, even though you send people to speak to us, even though we have the words of Jeremiah and Ezekiel and Daniel, even though we have those messages, God, I pray we're not like the Israelites who don't listen and don't obey. God, we have your written word. We know what you want for our life. You want us to be faithful to you, and you want us to proclaim you to the nation starting here. God, I pray for every Christian in this house today. Let us realign our priorities around you so that if the next six months or 60 years are good or bad, we'll be found faithful in you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.